0: welcome into the harvest this podcast is dedicating to helping you be and make disciples in the everyday places of life my name is Andrew Stroud, and I am the project lead here at End of the Harvest. And I'm joined today, as I often am, by our editor in chief, Abigail Wilson. She's coming to us live. Well, not live, I guess, if you're watching this, but right now she Life is live you. from San Antonio, <laughs> Texas. And uh, of course, I'm recording here in San Diego, California. So, Abigail, how are you doing? Are you guys on the home stretch with the school year, or what's the latest in the Wilson household?
1: Yes, we are. Um, We are officially in the last few weeks of school. Boy, this year flew by and so we're just like holding on for dear life, just trying to get through it. Um, Yeah. And I just want everyone to know we're recording earlier than we normally do, you and I. True. And so um, our routines are a little bit, uh, (laughs) you're just, you're barely getting your coffee. And have you had a full cup yet? Or I I have had one
0: We've been doing this, um, we've been doing these espresso shots. And oh, yeah. then I make it into like a little, so it's like six ounces. So I have had six ounces of coffee, but that's a good point. We're recording earlier than we normally do. And so if something we say here in the next 30 minutes or so is way off base, just know our minds might still be coming up to speed. So that's that's I don't your know. Warning. This may
1: be my prime. I don't this is like 930 for me. I I haven't hit my slump yet. <laughs>
0: Well, there we go. If it turns out really well, we're in this good our shape. New,
1: our new thing. Yeah, um, if we say I'm, something
0: crazy, then we can blame it on. Okay.
1: We don't usually talk a lot of small talk, but we do need to know what kind of espresso machine are you using? Oh, this boy. is important.
0: It's a, it's a nice espresso machine. Um, okay. I, it's not like an- Maybe uh, Breville. I think it might be Breville. Oh, might yeah, be the name of it. They're great. Mm-hmm. But we got this. <laughs> so we got this for Cindy- my wife, a couple of years ago for Christmas, all the kids and I went in, one of the benefits of having adult children is you can really plus up your gifts, um, (laughs) at least from mom, because you, you, you know, people actually have jobs and they can go in with
1: you. So,
0: but you know, truth be told, everyone has benefited from this gift that we gave my wife. So, um,
1: as with all mother gifts, I feel (laughs) like
0: it's probably true.
1: Okay. Well, that was important. I'm glad everyone could hear our little ad. Coffee yeah, definitely. Is important. Okay. Definitely.
0: Well, Abby, we've been doing interview shows this year. We've been mixing those in kind of every other episode so far. I don't know if we'll continue that exact rhythm, but that's been a lot of fun. But I also enjoy when we can get back to this format where you and I take a listener question, talk about a topic that we find relevant to living and sharing the faith in our own lives and in our communities. And then talk about something that's happening in the world of faith and culture where those two intersect. So we're going to do that today and we are going to start off with a listener question from Abby Monson. I hope that's how you say your name, Abby, your last name. But she left this as a YouTube comment on episode 121, which you and I recorded together on the blessings and challenges of Christian community. And her question is, how does your time spent with God change when you know you're going through a trial? Are there questions you ask or prayers you have to help learn how to move forward following God's will? So let me ask you, Abby, how does your time spent with God change when you're going through a trial? Are there, is there a way that you approach that differently than I guess normal times?
1: Um, yes, I would say the shortest answer is yes. Um, I think you gotta really double down, honestly. Um, uh, these are the times when I tend to really uh, sit there until I walk away with something. Um, now, that's not always possible. If you're in like a, a real crisis situation, um, then that may, you may just mm. be flying by the seat of your pants, in uh, which case that's when community comes in. Um, I am a big sharer of my life, and so that's when I like S.O.S all of my ladies there's like probably um there's there's like the the three and then there's the five and then there's the ten and so if things are really bad
0: It's <laughs> just like it escalates like yeah like the text groups con? get
1: more and more intense <laughs> of like the the emojis that i will send and they know like which ones when one it's like probably the big eyes and like the prayer emoji and then everyone knows to just um take a beat hmm. um but if it's just mm-hmm. me and God, uh, I I will usually stick with my normal quiet time, but then I will add on some mm-hmm. serious times in the Psalms, usually in like the 30s range. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there's some like passages in Isaiah that I will go back to um, that are like very personal to me, promises that God's given um, that have helped me when I'm in crisis or when things are just really, really hard. So mm-hmm. um, I think I, I tend to be in the word more because it's such, there's usually a lot of voices going on in my head during crisis yeah. um, situations. And so um, I want that voice to be the loudest. So
0: do you have, um, one of her questions was, do you, uh, she didn't quite say it this way, but do you have a go-to prayer that you find yourself either, purposefully or maybe just I don't know subconsciously falling back on when you go through those times Abby
1: um, I think it's uh, first chronicles the um, we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you that is a, mm. a, a pretty much a direct quote right. of, um, of and I think that's pretty much my direct quote to God
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like I don't know what to do <laughs> but our eyes are on you so I mm. think that's probably mine
0: yeah. what's well, it's interesting because I may be, I th- well, I do think I am maybe the opposite side of that where.
1: Oh, when- goody. <laughs> the spectrum. Nice.
0: I just kind of go inward. Like if there's something going on and, um, I'm overwhelmed or stressed or, or maybe it's just circumstances that are weighing on me, um, external things. Um, I tend to just kind of turn inward and try to really, um, I guess, deal with that. (laughs) I I think that's my first instinct is, is to not go outward, but to really Mm -hmm. try to make sense of it, um, Mm -hmm. in my own head and in, in my own mind, I guess my own thinking. Um, and so that's, that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, it's really the opposite, I guess, of like Philippians four, six, and seven, you know, it says, don't be anxious about anything Um, I tend to not, not that I'm trying to be anxious, but I I tend to really make sense of it. I I try to figure out why is this happening? What am I supposed to be learning? Yeah. You're
1: very logical.
0: Yeah. And so I think over the years, what I am hopefully learning, and I I do think that I am making progress here. I'm also a very routine person. And so, um, typically I I like this question because typically I do have, there is a rhythm and, Mm -hmm. um, a way that I, I tend to, um, approach God, I guess, or my times with God when things are in their normal state. Um, and I would love, I think in the past I've tried to maintain that. Um, but more in more recent years, I think I've maybe given myself permission to just spend more time in prayer, Mm -hmm. um, and drawing away, trying to disengage from, um, the situation. Maybe if that's like a prayer walk out in nature, um, and just reflecting and praying to God and asking Him to, to calm my spirit and to help me um to give me strength. I, I think um I think my tendency is to want to make sense of something in the moment. So why is this happening? Or even right. what am I like supposed kind of to fix learn?
1: Immediately or like be in it immediately.
0: Yeah, either fix it or just understand it. Like sometimes you know yeah. you can't fix it, but you want to try to make yeah. sense of why is God letting this happen.
1: Right. And
0: I think I've um I've learned in recent years that I don't know. I don't always know why it's happening or what the purpose is. And, and I guess making peace with that and just asking God to, to give me the strength um, to go through. And if there's something to learn, to learn whatever it is, Uh, but just to be faithful in whatever's happening, be it a trial or just some sort of setback Mm -hmm. Um, and, and realizing that, that that's enough. Um, it's enough to ask God to be with me and to help me to be faithful, whatever that looks like. I don't have to even know necessarily just, you know, be with me, help me to, to be faithful in the midst of this particular season or chapter that, um, that I'm going through. So it's not so much, I guess, a specific prayer. Um, but I guess it is maybe, a, a different approach than I would typically mm-hmm. have.
1: Yeah. Setting aside that extra time yeah i think that's that's a great um a great routine to get into um especially well whether whatever personality you are i mean i think i benefit from that too um uh and maybe if there's depending on your personality whether you're a dis immediate despair like in a whole person or if you're like in there trying to figure it out um pragmatic person whatever you are um Mm making space for really specific prayer and hopefully time in the word will be helpful.
0: Yeah. I think reminding yourself of certain promises, uh, a great one that many people find comfort from is Romans 8 that God is mm-hmm. going to cause all things to work together for good. There's another one out of Psalms that talks about um, how the Lord has recorded our tears in his bottle. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to say this, I know that God is for me. Um, yeah. And you know, sometimes just reminding yourself that, Hey, whatever's going on, it, it isn't that God isn't aware or isn't concerned or that he's, he's distant, even though he may feel that way. Um, we can have confidence that he's, that he's there with us and that he cares about us, even if we don't always feel that way in the moment. So any other thoughts from you on uh, this one, Abby?
1: No, I, uh, I hope or, that was helpful for Abby
0: hope
1: she's not going through a hard time. Yeah. Reach out, Abby. Let us know how you're doing.
0: (laughs) Well, we do appreciate everyone who sends us questions that uh, we can cover on the show. Our goal is always to be using this time and using this particular podcast to talk about things that are relevant to living in ancient faith in modern times. So Abby, thank you for leaving that comment on the YouTube channel. And if you guys want to have us address a question that is relevant in your own life and faith. You can send that to us uh, on the YouTube channel in a comment. We do read those and we try to pick those up and, and answer them on the show, or you can email us info at intotheharvest.org and we'll be sure to address that on a future show. All right. Well, Abigail, over the last, well, really since the first year, which you said this earlier, I can't believe we're in May. Um, right now which know. is bizarre <laughs> but uh, there's kind of been a theme not that we set out to do this but there's there's wow. really been if there's been a theme that has has sort of tracked with the different shows that we've done I, I think it's following Jesus over a lifetime mm. so for following Jesus for the long haul and I don't know what that says about where we're at in life you and I Uh, (laughs)
1: we won't read into it,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but we're going to sort of continue on that theme with the day show, because we want to talk about how growth and discipleship change as you get older, or at least from our perspective, how growth and discipleship have shifted over the years. And we'll probably come at this from a couple of different angles, but, uh, well, let me just start with that. Abby, why do you think that this topic is uh, relevant for us to discuss?
1: Um, well, uh, yeah, I won't read into it like specifically for us, but I I do think, um, you know, maybe even just our audience, the people that we are trying to reach, we, we are wanting longevity of discipleship and ministry Mm -hmm. and being intentional in our lives with Jesus. And so inevitably that's the great news is that if the Lord leaves us here and he tarries and doesn't return, then we're going to be doing this into um, different decades of our own lives. Um, and I think as I progress through different seasons of life, um, I definitely see the shift and the changes that happen as someone who hates changes, I don't enjoy it. And then I get all ruffled and I need like to be talked down a little and be like, why can't it be like it was, you know, in my thirties or whatever. So, hmm. um, so I think it's just hmm. important for us to talk through, at least for me, I need to yeah. talk through um, just these pros and cons almost of growing older and not, not necessarily um, like in, a, I don't know, a cliche way, but a, yeah. um, these seasons look different and that's okay. Um, but we also want to be really healthy in our faith and not just be like, it's just a season. I'm sure I'll get back to Jesus later. Mm. I want to stay, um, yeah, stay in it, stay in the game.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like that take many people have heard the state, the, the saying that the Christian, the Christian race is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, Paul talks about running the race with endurance and, and mm-hmm. finishing, finishing the race that we're on. So I think that's part of it. You know, none of us are, are getting younger that that's just the nature of life is that it does progress. And like you said, it does, it does shift and change. And the goal is to follow Jesus um, the whole way from, from start to finish. And when Paul made that comment that he had, he had, he had finished the race, he had kept the faith. Um, it was in the context of, he knew that his death was imminent. Um, and so likewise for us, you know, as long as we're on this earth in these physical bodies in this earthly life, we're the race is still going. Mm-hmm. And so, we want to keep running it and we want to, we want to be strong. We want to finish strong. Um, There's a classic audio. That's part of our uh, disciple makers, Leatherman series called many aspire, few attain. And I think (laughs) it's so dated because he references a few things in the, in the course of that talk. (laughs) It's like the Vietnam war or something. Um,
1: It's, but it's still relevant. Um, it's dated, but so, but relevant,
0: right, right. Yeah. Just update, update the, uh, the, the current events of that time.
1: We could just dub over.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The principles are timeless, but, and and the main, the main principle or the main theme of that, of that message is lots of people start out well. In fact, you can make the case that I guess everyone kind of starts off well, uh, coming to faith and, and wanting to, to live a new life in Christ. Um, I think anyone who has a genuine faith that that's the case, the goal is to finish well and not as not very many people finish well. So, yeah, we want to talk about our own journey. Um, Abby, I won't ask your age because you're a lady, but
1: I don't know my age. Hold on.
0: <laughs>
1: you I doing think <laughs> I always have to <laughs> I always have to ask Brett. Oh, I'm going to be 39 this year. That's right. Okay, there we In go. In November, so I'm currently 38. I'm right. not at all like I, I'm not one of those like coy people about my age. I just literally can't do the math. At this point. <laughs> just, I was an English major. What do you want from me, people? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I'm 10 years ahead of you, so I'm yeah. going to be 49 uh, later this month. So that's right. So we've got a ways to go, but yeah. we've got some miles behind us as well. Yeah. So we're going to talk about just our own experiences, but also observations that we've made over the years of, uh, of how growth and discipleship has changed. So do you have a a healthy example of discipleship and accountability from your own life or from someone that you've observed do this well? What are some of the the things that stand out to you as being important?
1: Um, I think um, what I've observed is that as you progress kind of out of your maybe those early, late 20s, um, maybe you're married, maybe you're not, maybe you have like one or two little baby children. Um, and then you're that's a definite season that you kind of start to be like, I'm old and wise. And I've really got some things figured out and you look down on the the mm-hmm. younger 20s, I think. Um, and that's probably a really key time to have people a little yeah. bit further down the road um, investing in you a lot because um, I think your life is just moving at a quicker pace um, than it has previously and it feels new and I think having someone speaking into our lives on a very regular basis was really important at that point. Um, and I, I think that was probably similar for you as well. Um, those, that was that's kind of when we're like, okay, this is what we're gonna do for a lifetime. We are locked in hmm. and we're gonna like go hard for Jesus, um, but also maybe we don't know how to do that fully. Yeah, would you say that's accurate? <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. And we, we talked uh, a few episodes back on, you know, the top traits to look for in mm-hmm. a spiritual mentor, but, but yes, maintaining connection with the older generation who I think ideally is 20 years ahead of you Yeah, that you can't always get that math to work out, <laughs> but uh, I think it's still, it's still good to put it out there as a reference point that it, if you can yeah. find someone who's, you know, 15 to 30 years ahead of you um, mm-hmm. in life, and, and is actively following Jesus, who's, who's doing it well. Um, if you can have that kind of person in your life that you're learning from and that, you're, you're, um, that your life is visible to so that they can speak into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, a, that's an ideal situation that, that many of us either don't have or maybe we don't, we don't pursue those types of relationships, but that's, that's a big one for sure.
1: So I think at that point, um, Brett and I made conscious decisions to actually move to be near people, um, that fit that description for us. Um, God was just really kind, um, and made that Mm. allowed that to happen. I'm not saying that's possible for everybody, but it was a really high priority for us in that season of life. Um, but then even like a little prior, when when we were really learning from you and Cindy, you were only 10 years ahead of us, but it right. felt like a lifetime because you had like so many children and we didn't have any. So
0: it feels like a lot. I think that. if you're, yeah, if you're in your early twenties and someone's in their early thirties, that that's a pretty you're big gap. Yeah, yeah. So That's probably like equivalent to if you're in your thirties and someone's in their early fifties.
1: Yeah. Um, so maybe the, the it's <laughs> a <is> sliding scale
0: <laughs> yes
1: um but then um i so i think like if that's you then it may be just really really key and important to pursue those people um mm-hmm. and make it work uh where it will feel like a major sacrifice on your part um because right. your life is you know moving yeah. fast and quick maybe you're getting into a career maybe um, you know, you do starting to have children, maybe you're right. still looking for a spouse. So those things can feel like that's more important, but I think mm-hmm. of finding someone to disciple you is actually, I'm here to tell you it will be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is that where you to well, add something?
0: Well, I love that you, you and Brett physically put yourselves in a place where that would be available to you. And you're right. That may not be an option for yeah everyone, but it's it's probably an option for more people than, than they might give themselves credit for. You know, that basically we, we prioritize what we value. Um, and so if it's not a priority or if it's not something that we're willing to, to make those, those big decisions to, to make happen, then it just may not be as high a value for us as we would want to think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is always one of the challenges in life is to be honest with yourself uh, yeah. in terms of, of like, how committed no, you are to something. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, well, this would be great if it just kind of worked out. Uh, but that's different. And I think with, with Jesus, it's cool because even the first disciples, that, that was part of what they had to do was physically put themselves uh, in a position where they could learn from Jesus. And I, I do think that that's still true for a lot of us that that needs to be something that's on the table is, will I move? And it may, maybe it's just moving across town. So you may not have to move to a different state, but trying to put yourself just thinking about your physical week, weekend week out activities. And are you, are you physically putting yourself around those older believers who could be mentors and that you could learn from? Yeah. So I, I want to maybe talk about a, a few other um ways that discipleship and growth has changed for us. But since we're talking about mentors, you and I talked about this a little bit before we jumped Mm -hmm. on. And the idea that it seems that there are fewer and fewer, as you get older, and -hmm. I think this is just, it makes sense mathematically, there are fewer and fewer older (laughs) (laughs) people, couples to learn from. Mm -hmm. And so I guess we, we didn't really talk it through extensively Th- yeah. The idea was. It seems like that's the case. That there are fewer and fewer, and um, I think it is the case for different reasons. Yeah, um, but um, but you've experienced that.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I think. Uh, well, what I was going to say is, I think things have shifted to where we see um, our mentors uh, less. And Mm -hmm. that's for, on both sides for different reasons, um, health and busyness on their side, crazy business, busyness and ministry on our side. But I feel Mm -hmm. like we still make an effort to have those times with them. Um, and I know that we're not the only people they're investing in. And so there's a lot of people that they are investing in online. So distance wise, Mm. and I know you invest in a lot of people over you know, distance as well. Right. And so I almost think that as like the thirties and forties, it almost tends to work well and fine to have a little less contact, like week to week contact right. or day to day maybe, mm-hmm. um, and more week to week. And yeah. when I was thinking about this and that like the of, and trying to be really honest, like you said about are, are we being healthy right now? Like that I see um, my mentors, like our, our major people pouring into our lives that we really want to learn from. Maybe on every month we see them um, mm-hmm. and we d- are in a Bible study with them every other week. Um, but, and then I have a couple of other older ladies that I meet with. So probably like twice a month. Um, but I think what has happened is that then my day-to-day and that sort of accountability and help is coming from peers. Right. And so having running mates in this season has been really hmm. key in my, um, in my health and my growth right. um, in a way that was maybe different when I was younger. Yeah.
0: No, I agree with that. I think that was, that was actually going to be one of my takeaways is that as I've gotten older, it's been more important to to maintain strong connections with those who are closer to me in age, season of life, but who share my values and who are mm-hmm. also trying to pursue Christ and, and live this faith um, in a real and meaningful way. Um, and I, I do think that the daily, weekly interactions with those folks represent the, uh, the real substance of, of what's keeping me encouraged, um, mm-hmm. calling me back, onto the path when I get distracted or stray. Uh, I do still have a connection with uh, Cecil Bean. He's the older believer who discipled me when I was in my twenties. Uh, in fact, he's coming in this weekend. He's gonna be visiting with us for several oh, days. Cool. So we don't get to do that. We, we do that maybe once a year where we see each other in person. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> neither one of us are great. Like we're, we're never gonna have, I don't think, <laughs> It hasn't happened so far where we just spend 30 minutes chatting on the phone. And so, so the distance thing with him is just definitely knowing not your
1: personalities. What in the world would you <laughs> talk about?
0: <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, but when we're in person, we can, we can yeah. go for hours. So um, yeah, so I think, um, but you know, even just knowing that he's there. And I think that this is something to, to bear in mind for us as well as we get older Is just being visible, you know, me being able to see that, hey, he's still following the Lord, he's still Mm -hmm. seeking Jesus. And I I I think in the scriptures you see that maybe from the life of the Apostle Paul, that he would he would come into town and he would visit. He might even spend several months in a place. But when that wasn't happening, um people would hear of his doings either because he would send representatives on his behalf or he would write a letter. And so I, I think just having those people that you know, though, I think there's something different between like a celebrity that, you know, like a John Piper or a John MacArthur or whoever your, your, um, person is that you look, look to from a distance, not celebrity. I'm not using celebrity in a derogatory way, but someone that you don't personally know.
1: Yeah. You've never actually sat in their living room
0: right. He so I think I'm not talking about that, <laughs> but if you have someone that you, you do know that you have yeah. a real relationship with and to see them continuing to follow Christ, I, I think that that's a huge part of staying encouraged and, and sort of setting the tone for your own uh, discipleship. So maybe um, we got time for maybe one more. So I'm going to throw okay. one out here. That's a little bit different than mentors. Okay. Um, I, I think uh, one for me, and you touched on it just briefly earlier, It's, it's the idea that you should constantly be learning and growing. Um, So not, not allowing yourself to slip into a mindset where you need, I've read the Bible five times and I've studied the book of John. I don't need to study that anymore. I don't, I don't need to put as much effort into seeking to learn and to grow. Um, I love um, how Paul in Romans 11 um, talks about the, the, depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Um, And scripture over and over, this is a theme that, that the, that the ways of God um, have to be sought out, you know, that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, but they're hidden. They have to be, they have to be dug out. So I think another thing that has definitely encouraged me when I'm doing it well, then I'm doing well. And, and when I'm not, then those are usually when um, I'm distracted or I'm not growing Mm -hmm. in my faith as I would want to has to do with continuing to, to learn and seek out um, the truth of God for my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that, I would say a subset of that is trying to communicate it. So it's not just going off into my study by myself and reading the Bible for hours. But it's, it's spending time learning from Jesus and trying to actively share what I'm learning with others. And those two things together
1: mm-hmm. have
0: been a real catalyst for me to keep the Christian life fresh and relevant, mm-hmm. exciting. Um, whereas I think if I wasn't doing that, yeah, it would get old. <laughs> the Christian yeah. life would get really stale and I don't think I'd be growing or living a life of discipleship.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, we've talked about this on several for with de- several different um, kind of subjects, but it all lines up of you just don't want that stale water like it needs to run on right. through like it needs to hit that next yeah. point down the line. And so, um, yeah, I think that if you're feeling stale or tired or um mm or like, really, I've got to keep doing this for another however many years, then yeah. that's that mm. may be the diagnosis. And I think that's really good. Um, And I love that you talk about that a lot of needing to pass on what God is teaching you and that that's really key for you. I, I mean, I think you are a teacher by nature. And mm. so I think there's some people who just tend to right. have that gifting and that leaning. However, I think this covers all humans like you all of you cannot discount this because you're like andrew Uh, because i mean i i really think that there's something to our own own understanding and learning when we're in communication with others like as the body of christ we are getting to experience other people's viewpoints on that same scripture or right you know god taught me this and then that person responds and so i think there's Mm. a lot to be said for this is not a on, on an island situation uh, for, for any of us. Oh man, there was something you said from that, that I really wanted to, but we're probably running out of time. So it's okay. <laughs> well, what I'll we think should of do. it later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we'll make a note and we'll revisit this. Yeah. I actually think this would be a great subject to to dive into a little bit deeper is what do you do when the Christian life gets stale or feels like it's, Hey, I've been, I've seen yeah. this. I've been down, it's deja vu. I've been down this street several times. Um, how do you keep it fresh? So maybe that's something we could explore um further yeah. in the future. You know what?
1: Just short answer. You should have a house church because it <laughs> <laughs> I could just really use some stale. I've been here before stuff. It's not happening.
0: <laughs> well, if you're if you're listening, let I'm us kidding. know if that would be a topic that uh, would be helpful. Um and if so, we'll, maybe we'll cover that on, yeah. a, on a future episode.
1: <laughs> I'll give you a better answer, I promise. <laughs>
0: yeah, we'll give you more. That's definitely more. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Abby, we're also going to wrap up the show today with a faith and culture segment. And there's something that's happening coming out of the pandemic called the great resignation. Mm-hmm. And this is happening across the board. And the, the, the short synopsis of it is that people who spent um, spent weeks, months, Sort of disengaged from their normal routines, not in some cases not going into the office, working from home. Um, as the pandemic has begun to uh, alleviate and and people are having the opportunity to return back to you know normal life, uh, many of them are opting out. So this happens quite a bit in um, I think especially in more probably more white collar type vocations uh, where people have the option to, to go back into the office, but basically decide like, no, actually, you know, I I don't want to either, um, go back into the office or perhaps I don't even want to continue in this line of work that, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that the pandemic was almost this great introspective moment for so many people to assess is life going the way I want it to go. And if not make a shift but we were going to talk about how that has shown up in the church specifically and with uh, traditional pastors in particular. And so um, I had sent you a Twitter thread where uh, one of these pastors had walked through um, why he was resigning as a pastor and um, the things that led up to that and thought that we could talk a little bit about the great resignation and in particular, our thoughts about how that is and how that will affect uh, church and faith in the United States in particular.
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks for sending me that Twitter thread in the late evening. Um, it's <laughs> not like the best and most uplifting uh. thing to read before bed, but that's fine. It's part of my oh, job. Man. Um, <laughs> But yes friends it's uh we'll, we'll like link to that i think we can do yeah. that andrew um yep. you can just take a look at that um and take from it what you will um my real takeaway there andrew um, and I, we've talked about this before because it is fascinating, I think, to both of us, just right. what um, the pandemic the last few years has done to the church, what has yeah. speeded mm. up maybe as, right. as kind of something we've seen, um, that this is specific to the leaders in the church, like mm. the, those that supposedly are the strongest in their faith. Yeah. Um, and kind of my, I, I'm going to just tell you what, I, you're the one who's been like, in there on Twitter and like knows what's going on. So I will just tell you from the tiny little snippets that you gave me, what my Mm. assessment was. And then you can tell me how far off I am. Um, But I think like the biggest thing was how much pressure these pastors felt, how much Mm. just intense um, responsibility, which I mean, they've always had but it maybe just has felt so much more. And so Hmm. my diagnosis there was, man, the body of Christ, like the church is really failing. And these leaders Hmm. cannot just hold it up. That's not what they were supposed to do. And it's definitely not what one person or two people or even a staff of people are supposed to do. That is not healthy, healthy church by any stretch so to me it was a real um a real shining light on the health of our church overall not necessarily these these pastors
0: yeah i think um we'll definitely link to the thread and i think christianity today had a recent article maybe we can link to that as well but it's something like uh, 40 plus percent of pastors have seriously considered quitting Yeah. As of uh, March of this year, I believe was when that, when Barna did their research. Um, and I don't remember offhand, like how much of a bump that is from where yeah, it might've been. On that a would normal, be
1: interesting. On a normal Cause I mean, basis. I would feel like everyone wants to quit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, if you think about the, the pressures of, um, of a traditional pastor over the past two years, obviously there's the whole issue of, you know, can you even gather, um, in person? And then if you're, if you're part of a, a church that has not been very tech savvy, you know, trying to figure that out and trying to go remote. And then you've got members who don't want to do remote, who feel like it's actually the wrong thing that you're, you're not, you're rendering to Caesar things that belong to God and you're getting pressure from different, um, mm-hmm. sides of your, of your, uh, congregation to, to take a certain course of action or to take a political stand, um, yeah. There's been there have been a lot of things. So I guess that's one of my one of my takeaways from this thread is how important it is to to know the mission, um, and I think the model matters. So I think the uh, traditional oh, okay. model of church and what a, what we expect of a pastor in the traditional, what some have called the legacy model, which we're all familiar with. That tends to be built around a Sunday service and a single individual who is responsible for guiding the flock and delivering the word of God week in and week out. Um, I think that model works well in the age of Christendom, where there's support for um, Christian themes and Christian values. Yeah. I just don't think it's a it's a sustainable model, and that, I don't think that I think that's one of the reasons why you don't really see it outside of um, nations where the the church has some sort of support from the government or some sort of support mm-hmm. from society. And so we talked about this on a recent episode, actually the first episode of this year, the state of the church in twenty twenty two. And you know, I made the point that I think that twenty twenty was the year that Christendom flatlined in the United States. Yes, and you it,
1: were very dramatic.
0: <laughs> it hadn't been doing very well lead, in no. decades. So it I, I think these,
1: it
0: what I would be interested is I would be interested in someone doing research into how many of these pastors are leaving the, the call to pastor, to shepherd God's people mm-hmm. versus how many are leaving the career of, you know, being a vocational minister. Um, Because if, if, if you're leaving the model, but because it's just not sustainable or it's not sustainable for your mental health, I think that's one thing. If, if you're walking away from this call, then that's, that's really, that's tough. You know, that's, that's something really went wrong. Either the call wasn't clear to begin with, and Mm. perhaps you were doing a job because it was a job that, that was appealing or you just got, you know, you're, you're broken spiritually in a way that's, that's really sad uh, and you've maybe lost sight or lost the capacity to, to engage in that call.
1: Well, what you sent me, it was, it was, it was the survey and it was like the exit survey of like why people left. Right, And um, I, I, I should probably pull it up, but I was a little encouraged because I think losing faith was pretty low yeah and even like doing a different career was pretty low Mm. which you could even say to do a different career is not even um a bad thing i mean we know that there's a lot of reasons to go by vocational or just feeling called into something um, and still have that call to do the work of a pastor.
0: So Mm -hmm. I actually
1: did not feel like it was that dire for these people. I, I agree. I felt like instead it was a real, um, a real Mm. pointing the arrow at, at this whole way we're doing it and it's not working.
0: So I read another, tweet abby and maybe we can wrap up with this because we're coming up on our time okay but uh but i think it's relevant to what you just said the the point you're making there that it's it's perhaps the the model and the way we're going about life and particularly the christian life that that perhaps needs to be changed so maybe this is a good thing Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: this uh this quote says people did not realize how tired they were when the pandemic hit instead of engaging in rhythms of rest they disengaged And Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty spot on for, for a lot of us. Um, and so the issue is (laughs) to not disengage. I think that would be the wrong prescription, um, to, to take as a result of what we've all gone through over the past two years, but to recalibrate and to, to go about the Christian life and Christian community in a way that's, that's more in line with scriptures Uh, and is more sustainable for what we're talking about on this show, which is following Jesus for the long haul. Mm. I think if that's where we come out of things uh, in future years, then that won't be a bad shift.
1: Yeah. And maybe that's something too, we need to talk about. I don't have uh, something I'm currently like grappling with is the idea of rest and Mm -hmm. taking rest, uh, especially, when you are making this a lifestyle and a lifelong um, thing that you're doing, uh, that it's not sustainable for Mm. forever and ever, um, that we have to have these rhythms and, and seasons of rest or restoration, but not just checking out, which I think people are pushed to because they Mm. get to that limit. So Maybe yeah. another. We're just coming up with topics <laughs> right and left, everybody. I hope you're all writing them down. We'll have to go back and make notes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we can do that one on a future. That would be a great one, too. Um, but we are out of time today. So, Abby, thanks for being flexible with your schedule, making yeah. this happen a little earlier than we normally do.
1: No problem. <laughs> it was fun. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.
0: Bye.